Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> Welcome to what I guess is a special episode of Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. I'm Danielle Moody. It is a historic episode. Yes, it is. I don't want to get too bogged down in the I told you so, Danielle. So let's just move right on ahead to the news. Oh, shit. <laughs> Kamala Harris <laughs> no, is I the am VP nominee. Uh-uh. People have already <laughs> tweeted, I am taking my moment. But not only was I correct about saying who was going to be the VP choice, I was also correct in saying that, oh, Torre, wasn't your timeline lit the fuck up? In terms of people being like, oh, my God, I'm in tears. And if everyone goes to Torre's IG toward the Torre show, they will see him saying, I'm just yeah. overwhelmed by the I just didn't think it would be so overwhelming. Well, I mean, I think there's multiple issues here, but a- absolutely. We both thought through the issue last week and thought it would be Kamala. And, yeah, I am I am more emotional than I thought I would be. It's historic. It's powerful. It's inspiring. It's empowering. It feels just mm-hmm. to see a black woman, um, you know, ascend so high, not just because of the importance of black women to the democratic party, but just because anybody who's been moving through the world with their eyes open knows that you constantly, whatever institution you're in, you're going to see black women who are like getting shit done, rolling up their sleeves, being powerful leaders, making shit happen, you know, be it at home or at school or in a hospital or at the company or wherever it may be. And Kamala, for the many years that I've known her, seemed like one of those people who are like, yes, if the plane was going down and on fire, I would be happy to be like, you, you are entrusted with saving all of our lives. Or we have some gigantic complex system that we have to run uh, in a just like you, I want you to be in charge. And it's thrilling to see a black woman. It's thrilling to see this black woman ascend so high. And I mean, not just to be vice president, like, yeah, like this is not just, this is clearly a stepping stone. Like we are, talking about the top rung for this person and you know 10 if 10 some what 12 years ago if i said danielle you're going to see two black presidents in your lifetime and they're both going to be cool people who you would like to hang out with you would have been like get the fuck out of here i mean i think that you know this is beyond my wildest imagination in terms of exactly that point in my lifetime too Right. The potential of two um, black, a black woman, you know, black women in this country. And I I, I wrote about it this week um, for more uh, for Zora magazine, you know, lifting up Zora Neale Hurston, who said through her character uh, and when their eyes were watching God, that black women are the mules 
of the earth, of yeah. the world. Yeah. And, you know, and, and what does that mean? It, it, it goes back to the trope of the strong black woman of the, you know, they can carry and do everything on, on, on their backs, on our backs. And this ascension to me, you know, it is, is extraordinary for the rec- for what it means and not just any black woman but senator kamala harris former attorney general of the largest department of justice next to the us department of justice kamala harris this was not a you know what was beautiful about the decision that joe biden had in front of him is that it was which qualified, brilliant black woman is he going to choose? He wasn't going to pull what the fucking Republicans did with Sarah Palin and just pick some, you know, pick some woman out of some obscure ass place and say, oh yeah, like we can teach her these tricks, right? Because she doesn't need to have anything in her head. What Biden was looking for was a partnership, but what he was also looking for was to signal about the fact that he knows and which we have been saying, he's a transitional figure. He is a stabilizing force, but who he was going to appoint was going to look to the future. Well, that, but also as Steve Kornacki has been doing in his hits, um, pointing out the difference between candidates, Democratic candidates who get 60 to 59% of black turnout, which is John Kerry and Hillary Clinton, and candidates who get 65 to 66 percent of black turnout, which is Barack Obama and Barack Obama in 2012. (laughs) Um, And, you know, five percent may not seem like much, but that's a huge difference. That's a big difference in the big states. That's the difference between bringing home a Pennsylvania, a Florida and a Michigan uh, Mm -hmm. versus not. If black people in these in these states with big populous cities show up uh you win if they don't and the margins are small right you won't um i i i yeah kamala is extremely exciting as a person yep um she was already an inspirational person before this happened i think folks look back to her ripping Brett Kavanaugh's face off Ooh. or ripping Joe Biden's face off Ooh. <laughs> or, or, or making William Barr stutter like a fool. Ooh. I, I mean, her, her, when she's deposing and I use that mm. word purposely, somebody in the Senate in a hearing, it's far more interesting than, you know, anybody else in the Senate who's just throwing up softballs or red meat. And like, she's really asking serious questions and ripping your face off. And it's clear that she's the sort of Senator who's, you know, read the book, read the footnotes, is fully prepared. Um, you know, is very comfortable talking to people and, and, and being, I mean, like, you know, stop talking about what she's going to do in the VP debate. That is the most meaningless part of this whole thing. Um, talk about what she's going to do in terms of prosecuting Donald Trump, right? Yes. Because that's one of the key jobs that the VP nominee has to attack the president, not the vice president. She's not running against the vice president. This is why she didn't respond to Tulsi Gabbard's attack. Because she's like, don't you have 1% or less? Why should right. I speak to you? I speak to Joe Biden because he's the leader. I'm trying to win this thing. I'm not speaking to you. You have 0% and you're going down. Um, she's not speaking to Mike Pence. She will be skewering Donald Trump with a smile. Because she knows how to play the dozens Elegant. on a Elegant. at an elite level and making him look like a fool. That will be the thing I'm looking forward to watching far more than the stupid vice presidential debate. Yeah, I could care less about the debate. And who knows if Mike Pence's wife is going to allow him to attend anyway. <laughs> Mother, um, can I go, please? Yes, you know, because, you know, he's uneasy around, uh, you know, women outside of his wife that, you know, possess a vagina and a uterus. I don't know. Um, but... You know, aside from that, what what made me rest easy with this choice, right? And and you know, I'm certain that we're going to get into these woke perfectionists is what I'm going to is what I'm going to start to refer to them as. Um, but what makes me rest easy is, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Joe Biden had said that, you know, I I don't want us to talk about prosecuting 
Donald, you know, a, a president, right? I don't want us to talk about going after legally, you know, once somebody leaves office, a president. And I was saying, and I said to myself and the television, what in the entire fuck are you talking about? This man is lawless. He is a criminal. He has employed criminals around him. He has t- turned the DOJ into his personal law firm. Uh, everyone has lied. He's been caught up in scheme after scheme after scheme. Like, what do you mean you're talking about the fact that you're not going to go after Donald Trump? And this this announcement of Kamala makes me feel like she will look at Joe Biden and be like, oh, no, we're not letting this motherfucker slide. Absolutely not. Because if you do not handle Donald Trump, if you do not prosecute Donald Trump, if we do not have our version of the Nuremberg trials, if we do not have the Trump trials, whoever manifests themselves in his place will be worse because they will be smarter. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I do not want this Biden-Harris administration to make the mistakes that the Obama-Biden administration did by letting George W. Bush off of the hook for, you know, his weapons of mass destruction. Um, I don't want folks to have made the same mistake that we did in letting Nixon off the hook and just allowing him to resign and go off quietly about his business. If you do not hold criminals accountable, you embolden other criminals to figure out what they did wrong and to do it better. Whether or not we see Trump in the bracelets or, you know, being uh, having to deal with a trial of some sort, I still have faith in the Republican Party that they can go lower. I, I, oh, right? yes. we, we thought George Bush was the worst and dumbest Ooh. president we've ever seen. And they're like, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Right. Like, hold my beer. We can go lower than that. And like, you know, in four to eight years, we could be like, wow, we thought Trump was the worst and dumbest president we'd ever seen. And look, the GOP done did it again. Um, But, you know, bringing Trump to justice is valuable. But I think perhaps even more important are the issues that are going to continue to affect our lives on a day-to-day basis going forward over the next four to eight years in terms of policing reform, in terms of general criminal justice reform, mm-hmm. in terms of wealth gap, uh, ad- addressing the wealth gap. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to think that Kamala is going to be a co-president, right? Joe Biden is going to be the right, president. The president um, right. But I would expect that Joe, given his experience with Barack, will have will give Kamala the keys to to do some do some important things and have some areas that she is in charge of much the way that Dick Cheney had a portfolio and was not a meaningless vice president. He will be able to do she will be able to do some work. And I hope that her experience as a prosecutor allows her to be able to get into policing reform in a serious and hands muddy way mm-hmm. and not to live down the what I think is the wrongful reputation that some try to saddle with her as if she's a cop and she didn't deal with being a San Francisco district attorney and the attorney general of California in an era when she started you had to be tough on crime to get elected. And then the the mood of the country changed to be more smart on crime. And she changed with it and exactly. tried to be a progressive uh, prosecutor and, you know, do some innovative things. And, you know, I hope that, that she's able to bring that sort of thoughtfulness to her portfolio in the Oval Office. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions. Questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign 
as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. This show is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting, and they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. The thing here is that we need to move outside of what the Democratic Party does wonderfully, which is to cannibalize itself and to fall on the cross of perfectionism, right? Uh, that is not where we need to be with Kamala Harris. She is a black woman that has had to navigate a woefully white male dominated space. You don't get to become attorney general of the largest, again, the largest department of justice next to the United States department of justice, um, by not being able to play the game. You accumulate power, you, you know, become politically nimble so that you're able to make the changes that are necessary. She would not have been able to ascend to become senator, right, without that ability to play and do both sides. What I find with um, activism at times, especially as it pertains to criminal justice reform, is that it is very much an all or nothing proposition, right? Like Kamala is a cop. So that means that, you know, we needed to appoint somebody uh, as vice president who, you know, is one of the leaders of a BLM uh, civil rights criminal justice reform not, you know, organization. That's never going to happen. You need somebody that understands the importance and the power of policing, but how we have allowed it to go completely and totally wayward. How we have in New York, for instance, a budget of six billion fucking dollars, Mm. right? Like how we have, you know, police again, which we saw in Ferguson and in other places and most recently in Portland and at Lafayette Park, outfitted in the top, military grade gear, right? While we're not funding public education, while we're not, you know, giving back, while we're not talking about, you know, Medicaid for all, while we're not doing these things. And so I think that she is the perfect person in a lot of ways. And, you know, when we were running down our list, it was like the pros and the cons. And for me, the pros truly outweigh the cons that people try and manifest around Kamala Harris. And they say, well, She's not going to be good. She couldn't make, you know, she didn't even make it to Super Tuesday with her candidacy. And I'm like, because black people are always forced into an impossible position to have to be guided by where we think white people are going to fucking vote. Mm. Right. That's that's what happened. She, Kamala could not break out because, one, she wasn't as progressive as a Bernie Sanders, as an Elizabeth Warren. Right. Mm. She did not have the resources and all of these things um, in order and to you, be able to blanket the airwaves like uh, like a, a, a Tom Steyer and, and a Bloomberg. And Joe Biden 
was tied to the legacy of Barack Obama, which meant that black voters over 55 were all about him. And that held his campaign up aloft for a long time. And, you know, in an alternate universe where Joe Biden, for whatever reason, decided to not Not go ahead. Right. You know, we very well might be looking at candidate Harris right now. Right. Right. You know, I think that, you know, again, a lot of what we also have to understand and and I, you know, host a show called Woke AF. But what we have to understand about woke culture is that sometimes, you know, we can uh, want to cut off our nose to spite our face. And what I'm hearing, you know, the beginnings of are these rumblings, you know, I can't get behind her. You know, she was a prosecutor and, you know, we need radical change and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm just like, I don't know how you do radical change if you're dead. I don't know how you do radical change if you are locked up in a detention center in multiple Guantanamo Bays across this fucking country. I don't know how you, how you get that work, how you do the work, right? When you're in shackles. And that's, that's, that's the reality that people, that's what you need to get fucking woke to. Right. I mean, one thing that I'm hearing that is particularly grating, like fingernails on the chalkboard grating, is that, well, she's not actually an African-American, right? Because her mom is from India. Her dad's an immigrant from Jamaica. I don't know how you think they got to Jamaica, but okay. So she's not Was it not the Carnival Cruise Line? (laughs) Right. Was it Royal Caribbean? It wasn't that? It was a Royal Caribbean from hell. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that's like one of these weirdo technicalities. Like, okay, yeah, she doesn't directly descend from American slaves, but she is black. She is from Oakland. She is from Howard University, HBCU. She cares AKA, about black people come aka come on uh so somebody tweeted what is aka and of course you know i retweeted the only way <laughs> people know people went to schools with aka's know what that is all about but like you know if you sit and talk to her you have no question that you are talking to a sister right yes. that she cares about black people she, black culture is very much who she is and what she's all about and so this notion of like, well, she's not actually African-American is just really, really silly because she is absolutely a diasporic black person who cares deeply about us and our issues. And to sort of try to knock her out for some, you know, I don't know. You know, the but, other but, thing but, I want to know. But that oh. Touré, just, but just like quickly on that point, yeah. that too, that kind of ideology as a, as a, as a, as a child of immigrants, whose parent, who, who both parents uh, are, are Jamaican, right? Like that type of ideology is based in white supremacy, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that there is some gradation of blackness, right? When mm-hmm. we know that like, what, what was, what was, what was the tool? The one drop. That's what the fuck made you black. Right. Mm -hmm, And this mm -hmm. designation of, oh, if you were not, you know, if your family didn't stem from South Carolina, North Carolina, you know, what have you, then then you're not black. If you are, you know, a person that is is from Africa and you have come to the United States, then all of a sudden, oh, that's yes, there are differences in our culture and in our acculturation. But in the broader society, in the broader world and universe, we are black. Right. Like, don't talk to me about, oh, you know, what I thought was really beautiful to this week was um, uh, Asian Americans Mm -hmm. coming out, being excited and being proud of the representation that they have. Actress and director and producer Mindy Kaling, she tweeted and was just like, oh, my God. Right. Like. This is somebody who looks like me. Her mother looks like my looks like my mother, looks like my grandmother. Her I family mean, is my family. We saw some of this questioning of Barack's blackness uh because he's from Hawaii, because he spent some formative years uh in Asia, because he has, you know, a not uh a, a not terribly unique experience of as a teenager trying to very consciously read himself and experience himself into blackness to try to 
catch up. And surely when you encounter him as a 20, 30-something-year-old man, he's definitely like, oh, he's definitely a brother. He's definitely one of us. Kamala's not even that. She's no. from here from the jump. She's from, as we said, she's from Oakland. She's from Howard. Right. So I don't even know what you're talking about. I want to just call out quickly the folks, because she's been famous for several years now. One of the mm-hmm. most prominent members of the Senate, um, you know, a major presidential candidate. We still have folks in political media, professional mm-hmm. talkers, mm-hmm. who still struggle with pronouncing her name correctly. And it's not just Tucker Carlson, right, who's doing it out of rank disrespect, right? right. I still hear Michael Steele mispronouncing her name. I still hear others mispronouncing her name. And it's just a basic disrespect. People who got Buttigieg and Klobuchar correctly over and over and over can't get Kamala. It's Kamala. It's not Kamala. It's or Cam- Kamala. Or Kamala. Um, and, 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 and look, you know, again, they can manage to, uh, to say Schwarzenegger. Uh, Triskowski, you can manage to know and say all of these names uh, and, and somehow, you know, that that, you know, you miss that mark. Um, I, I, I find that I just find that disrespectful. Right. And I'm just I'm just thrilled that, you know, my daughter can see this happening. And even if she doesn't fully consciously take it in right now, that she can see that this is valuable and possible for a black girl, that this level of leadership is real and tangible for a black girl. And those messages have not always been part of, I saw a weird little video last night on the Twitter where there was like four little girls, I believe one was white, two were Asian and one was black. Uh, maybe like six years old, seven years old. And they were having some tea thing. And, uh, you know, maybe the folks have seen this. And one of the Asian, the black girl says, um, I had a math test. And one of the Asian girls says to her, what did you get? An F? And the black girl makes a face. And the Asian girl quickly corrects it, or an A, or a B, or a C. And like, but you immediately jump to, did you get an F? And like, just the expectation of, failure of raggediness mm-hmm. of yep. ratchetness Ooh, raggediness. is mm-hmm. so prevalent and it's not it's not what is expected from within the community right mm-hmm. where we understand black women are the spines of our families and our communities and the strength by which we are as, as we as black men are able to stand up and do the things that we're able to do and i'm happy to see kamala alongside an Oprah, alongside a Serena, alongside, uh, you know, an Ava, you know, a Carrie, you know, on and on who are doing amazing things, who are showing the world like, yeah, we can rock the world. And I mean, like, my God, Kamala's been doing it on such a high level for so long and that she's going to take it even higher now. Uh, it's, It's thrilling to see. You know, I woke up, uh, and I'm I'm rocking my Shirley uh, Chisholm Amen. shirt, my Catalyst for Change, and you know, going through so many of the quotes that she offered uh, during her esteemed political career as the first Black woman to be elected to Congress in 1968, as the first Black woman to run for president in 1972. Um, just the idea of being, I think that. Kamala Harris like embodies the idea of being unbossed and unbothered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I think that, you know, when you watch her in action, you know that there is the spirit uh, uh, of Shirley Chisholm coming through her. Um, I think that it's important, you know, for black girls, for black women to remember the the legacy, the path, the road that would make up a Senator Kamala Harris to, you know, in but a couple of days um, receive, you know, the nomination, the official nomination. And it pains me, you know, I will say, too, about this moment, about the COVID crisis that we are in, because, my God, I would have loved to be in that fucking arena um, for Mm. her um, 
and for that moment. Because I mm. will tell you that to be in the arena in 2016 for Hillary Clinton was, you know, was like, oh, my God, like you're seeing, you know, history. And it and it and it chokes you up. It it grasps you in the you know in in the moment. And so you know, as a black woman uh, and as you know uh, a Jamaican American, I think that it would have been really something to physically you know share space and hold that moment, um, hold that moment with her because I think it's you know I think it's extraordinary, um, and it's just about fucking time. You know, yeah. like it is about time. Like I, I, I wrote once that I, I said that, you know, we will talk about women, black women being the, the base of the Democratic Party, but we will never allow them to be the face of the Democratic mm. Party. And to me, Kamala Harris has transcended that notion of, oh, you can be the base from which we build, but you'll never be the top. Right. You'll never be the top uh, 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 of of that of that pyramid of that of that figure. And and now to have this beautiful black face. Right. As the face of the future. Yeah, it is. It's it's extraordinary. I'm I'm I am. I'm overwhelmed, I think. It is extraordinary. It is extraordinary um, that she's a black woman, that she's already achieved so much that you know, you say her name and everybody's like, yep, she's ready to be president. God forbid something happened to Joe. No question about that, which is like gives you goosebumps. And on top of the fact like, yeah, we could say it. She's uh, beautiful. She's cool. She's clearly extremely smart, extremely knowledgeable. Um, there's just a lot that she has going for her just as a human being. Yeah. Um, and to see the Democratic Party and our voters just so excited and welling up and just ready, so ready to vote for her. And it's, you know, it's 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 something else because um, it's something else because, you know, Trump was impeached trying to get dirt on Joe Biden. Right. Mm -hmm. Like so over a year ago, he was worried about running against Joe Biden. And Kamala Harris has been the favorite to get the VP slot for what three months, four months. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like it, this ticket was very predictable. And yes. here we are with about eighty days left, and Trump has no idea how to attack these people. And like, it's like you knew the test was coming. You knew what the question was going to be. And even still, you had other people you could have paid to take the test for you and tell you what the right answer is. And still, you have nothing except phony Kamala and phony Sleepy Kamala Joe. And Sleepy Joe. And you're like, you're a failure. Like, <laughs> like, like I looked at that, that quote unquote attack ad yesterday that came out. What was, I mean, it came out within minutes of the announcement. People are like, oh, my God, Danielle, did you see the attack ad? I said, what? This looks like something that a kindergartner put together. Phone, <laughs> right. You know, phony comma, Joe can't see it because he's too sleepy. Dude, this is what you're working with? And then you want to scare people about Medicaid, about Medicare for all in the midst of a global pandemic where 160,000 Americans are dead and 30 million have lost their jobs? You think that they're going to be like, ooh, I don't want to give health care to everybody as they're standing in a fucking bread line, coughing their fucking lungs out because they can't afford to go get a ventilator and go to the hospital? Shut the fuck up. Like, I was just outdone. I'm outdone by the stupidity. I'm out done i'm outdone by it uh it is it you know they they have nothing that can stick and it's evident that donald trump is scared because nothing scares him more than a black woman the way right. in which over the course of hey i'm alok the host of build the change a brand new podcast from mac blue about the people at the center of progress Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. 
Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. His administration that he has gone after black women that have challenged him. Right. right. That are not interested in his bullshit from Maxine Waters, uh, April, April Ryan, uh, Yamisha Lysindor. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, he has got he has tried to come for them. And I said yesterday and people had like some chit chattering in Twitter. I said this. I said, we are at the moment right now that if you want to come for Kamala, you are coming for every black woman in America and you don't want that fucking smoke. You do not want it. And people are like, how can you say that, Danielle? Black women didn't have her back during the, you know, during the primaries. I said, no, 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 no. Again, you are missing the point about black people being pragmatic, about being thoughtful, about understanding what is at stake. And I said, but now that she is on that ticket, if you think that we're going to let her hang out to dry and you think that we're going to let this toupee wearing fucking white supremacist motherfucker come for her and do nothing, then you have another thing coming. No, yeah. I mean, you could talk about the the right wants to talk about identity politics as if it's some negative weakness or something, but like recognizing the value of somebody as a woman, as a black person is strong. I am proud to be a black person, right? You're proud to be black, female, gay, all of that. And like, you don't want that. I don't want that erased from me and you, I want that embraced. Look, my problem is not being black. My problem is white supremacy and white privilege, right? Uh-huh. Like your problem is not being gay. Your problem is homophobia, right? Uh-huh. Like th- that's the thing that bothers you. So don't try to strip it from me. Um, you know, I-, I was reminded that when uh, Senator Barack Obama learned that he would be facing off against uh, jo- John McCain and Sarah Palin, that his immediate response was to welcome a woman to the race and note the historic nature of her being in the final four. And then they went back to attacking her. But first they were like, this is important to note just for the history of America, valuable welcome uh, governor. Donald Trump, of course, doesn't even have it in his pea-sized brain Mm -mm. to take a moment to recognize the historic nature of her getting to this point in American life, to the first black female vice presidential nominee, a a first Asian American nominee. I mean, like these are important milestones in terms of the country moving forward and bringing lots of people to the table. But this is what the Democratic Party is about, about opening the tent and including people who have not sat at the table before. Right. This is the opposite of what the Republican Party is about. They are about preserving the power of whiteness. So, of course, Trump is not going to say it's so great that we have a black woman on the ticket because that is the antithesis of what he and the Republican Party are about at this point. I mean, have you seen the number of photos, you know, of all of these white men? around a table making decisions in mm. the Trump White House. Mm. I mean, it is, and, and you know, somebody had said, maybe it was uh, um, Jill Filippowicz uh, a while ago, but she had said something to the effect, like, it's not done on accident, right? Like, it mm. is, like, those photos that they would present after these meetings where they come up with nothing, right, um, <laughs> are, are purposeful because in and of themselves, they are a bullhorn, Right. Look at us. Look who's in charge. Look who still has the power. Look who you need to bow before. And so Donald Trump has no Mm. desire to acknowledge any type of difference because the only reason he believes that black people are exist is in servitude of whiteness. Right. You step outside of that zone, then you are that problem Negro. Right. Let alone let alone some some quote unquote bitch he wants to grab by the pussy. So you have to uh, we have to understand like the framework of misogyny and racism that is consistently at play within Donald Trump and the Republican Party. Like, I I don't know who it was yesterday, but somebody came out of their mouths wanting to, like, just jump in immediately and attack uh, Kamala Harris's uh, ethnicity. Right. Like, just, you know, go after the fact that, you know, uh, I'm like, oh, are we going to do this this litmus test again? Is she is she not an American either because her parents are because her parents are immigrants? Meanwhile, you have some. 
some mail order bride, you know, uh, hooker from from the from from Eastern Europe in the White House as somebody's American first lady. Get the fuck out of here. Right. Like it's just the the hypocrisy, you know, that that they operate in is 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 it's just so it's just so disgusting. I don't know. I don't know another well, word you know, for it. But I yeah, said, it makes me uh, sick. I mean, a couple of things that I've been thinking about a lot lately, for one thing, you know, it, it's not really fair that um, as as lefty media folks that, you know, we have to deal with with things like truth and reality and <laughs> logic and history. And if you're on the right, you get to just make it all up all the time. And it doesn't have to have internal logic, doesn't have to deal with any statistics, doesn't have to deal with any actual history. You just say whatever the fuck you want. And even the New York Times and the Washington Post will publish it if you're coming from the right, because we have to have both sides, even if the right is completely off the deep end and it doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, You know, so, you know, we have to deal with that. But, you know, white lives in America are made possible by the oppression of black lives. Both these things are symbiotic and work together. And... So, you know, the ascension of Kamala doesn't take away from white power. It doesn't attack white supremacy, but it just begins to help remind us that black people can be important leaders in American life and should be. And, you know, I am not, I am, I, I, I am not of the belief that Joe Biden will step down in 2024 I think that is a cute thing that he is saying to get people on the Democratic side who are not thrilled about him to do, just go along. Just going to be four years. We're getting somebody else. Like, no, shit. He will be the nominee in 2024. But there's no reason to think that Kamala Harris will not be the nominee in 2028. And she will be a very formidable candidate for the presidency be it if she's facing Tom Cotton or Nikki Haley or some other maniac who's not even in public life yet. And I'm all here for it. You know, Tori, let me ask you this. What do you make of some of these uh, black men who seem to come out of whatever type of trollville to try and attack Kamala Harris um, on so many different, you know, so many different fronts. Um, what what do you make of the desire to try and cut her down to size by other by 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 black men by the by these some of these talking heads? You know, the first time that I heard the phrase black male privilege, I was taken aback and I was, and it's, I'm talking about many years ago, I was introduced to this concept. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'd always thought about it in terms of well, white people have privilege and, you know, and when black women and others started to, you know, sort of educate me about like, well, you know, you also have privilege as a male um, in the society, you could start to understand where the same threat that white people feel looking at black people trying to rise that black men would feel at black women rising and would look at a woman succeeding in this moment uh, as a moment of threat to the position of black. I mean, like men, you know, black men don't necessarily share, don't share white men's power, but we do understand as men that we can slide into that system a little more easily than women can, be they white or black. So to see a black woman succeed so powerfully and so elegantly um, is perhaps a threat to some of these people. You know, it's not a threat to me. You know, I I, I see Kamala's success as, um, you know, reflected down not just to my daughter, but also to me as a black person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't see Joe Biden's success as a man as reflective to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I mean, that, that would be the only thing that I could guess that they feel some sort of threat um, seeing a woman ascend. You know, I mean, like the, the knives will be out for Kamala in a way they were not out for a Tim Kaine or, you know, a Paul Ryan or even Joe Biden when he was vice president, when he was the nominee, vice president was the nominee, um, 
because of the perception, because she's a woman, but also because of the perception of her as an ambitious, um, uh, rising, rapidly rising person, right? She seems like a uh, president in waiting more than any vice president we've seen in, in many, yep. many years. So that makes some people very threatened. So she's yep. going to have to deal with that. But I think she, uh, as much as anybody who he could have picked, perhaps better than anybody he could have picked, is thick enough, thick-skinned, and mm. ready for that. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, I don't know that she will – she won't face the same uh, types of vicious, vicious attacks that, say, Hillary Clinton has been plagued with for her entire political career. Um, when when I heard the, the ambitious – you know, it mm -hmm. reminds me of the attacks that Hillary Clinton, you know, had received um, for wanting more. Right. Because that's the thing is that like you shouldn't want more than what we right the establishment want to give you. That's that's where the idea of like you're too ambitious, you're too this, you're too, you know, whatever it is. Um, she will face different attacks than what Hillary Clinton did. I don't know if she presents like the same type of vile behavior. We do know that she received more bot attacks during the primary than anybody else. If you remember, like the bots were out uh, for her, even so much so that the other candidates had to come out and say like, what the hell is going, you know, what the hell is Hillary, going on here? Hillary's different only because she had been a public figure for two decades right. when she finally got the nomination, right? Or when she was chasing the nomination and they got it. So the, the, the feelings against her on the right and to a smaller extent on the left um, were just already deeply embedded in a lot of people. Right. Um, I think it's hard to be on the public stage for a long time and not acquire vulnerabilities. And I think what you mm. see in a Barack Obama and now in a Kamala and, you know, sadly also in a Donald Trump is the newer model of a shorter time on the national public stage as a political figure is valuable when you're going for a higher slot because there's less that people can attack you on. You know, like like if you're in college basketball, the longer you stay in the game, like the less likely you're going to make it to the pros. Um, you know, like the longer yeah. you're in the game, the longer you'll say things and take votes that will take you down mm -hmm. uh, rather than, you know, you're you're in your first five to six years on the national stage as a politician and people will feel like, you know, that sort of energy uh, around you and you don't have the the meat of the principled attacks against you that can be lodged. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's right. I think that there is, there is um, uh, a better alternative in the freshness that did she, that she has. Did you cry about this? I didn't cry. No. But I but felt I, I felt the tearness, but I didn't yeah, actually cry. I felt I I I I gotta tell you, because people know this, I struggle with hope all the time. I felt so hopeful. I feel so hopeful. I feel so energized um by this. Uh I didn't cry, and maybe, you know, God willing, we make it to the mountaintop, which is mm. inauguration day. Mm. I may be in full-blown tears, and I don't even know if that will have to do with her or out of the relief that Donald Trump is fucking gone. Like, right. I don't know I don't know if it will be, be the first good night's sleep that I've had in four years. Like, I don't know what it will be. It'll be something, right? Um, but but I, I do feel an overwhelming sense of pride and I, joy. I feel like, you know, we're on a plane that is headed down – uh, you know, in flames and we're like, oh my God, the pilot is a fucking maniac. <laughs> and like, you know, getting rid of Trump will be like, okay, I can relax now. I don't have to think about the pilot because I know the pilot's not completely out of control. The pilot's not a maniac. The pilot's not a fucking moron who's not paying attention to the dials. Like, you know, we don't have to pay attention. I mean, like you almost forget during the Barack Obama administration, People did not pay attention to politics with the intensity that they nope. do now. It was because lovely. it was like, you know, 
right or wrong. There's somebody coming in there. We're not going to drive off the road so we can pay attention to other things sometimes. And with Trump, part of why CNN and MSNBC have seen their ratings go up, because people are like, oh, my God, oh, my God, he's going to drive off the road. He's gonna... And with coronavirus, he did drive off the road. And we're in a fucking ditch. And, like, we knew this would happen, and it did happen. And I think with Biden and Harris, we can feel comfortable that we're not going to drive off the fucking road and get everybody sick and destroy the economy and— I mean, like and when tweet Mike us, Pence and tweet us into war. Do you remember? People forget war. that back in January, our big worry in January was that we were headed to war with Iran, right? Like there were <laughs> there were drone. Like remember that? Like that was January. I mean, we were but, like, "Fuck, but, we're going to war with Iran." Mike Pence says you won't be safe in Joe Biden's America while we are. At home, afraid of catching a virus from each other, can't hug our friends. But we're not going to be safe in his America. You can't go out to a protest without getting fucking tear gas and a rubber bullet to the eye in Trump's America. Like, you you won't be safe. Motherfucker, what? We're not safe now. We're not safe from your hate crime loving a deplorable fan base. We're not safe from the police who you encourage to beat us. We're not safe in so many ways. We're not safe. We cannot get a job. Unemployment is crazy. Like, I mean, there's so many ways that we are not safe in Trump and Pence's America. Oh, and they're trying to kill kids. Like that's it. That that's the other thing too. Like oh, go to the, the the pro life party, right? The party of pro life is actively trying to kill your fucking kids. Like we got to reopen the schools. We we got to have college football. This is the most important thing. Let them play. <laughs> let them play. This that let them play. Are you kidding? And they're like, it's so unfortunate that they you know they deserve the right to play. They do deserve the right to play, and they lost that when you were derelict in your fucking job in January and February to where March and April and May were hell months for America, and we continue to have. Thousands of people catching the thing every day. And we have the moron president on Axios talking about, oh, well, you know, if we just don't test, then we won't have any cases and everything will be fine. Right. You know, it's all, you know, so, yeah, Trump's America, definitely safe. And, you know, the only thing, again, like, you know, I love um, the Lincoln Projects ads. I love uh, 11 films. All you have to do is just play Trump's own words overlaid with people bloodied in the street. <laughs> the the old man, the old white man that was knocked over by the storm Trumpers and they just stepped which over one? his in, bleeding head. In Buffalo head. or in, in Portland? Buffalo, right, or in, or in Portland. Or, which one? Or in Virginia. Or like... You know, it's just that's all you have to play. You're not safe in Trump's America. They're like they're like Biden is in the bunker hiding. Yeah, because he doesn't have to say anything because you're going to put your entire foot, ankle and knee in your mouth every day. By if Biden just stays out of the way, you're going to shoot yourself and we'll be good. All I want them to do is do one ad with the White House blacked out. Right. No lights on and say. Is this the America that you want? Knock, knock. Nobody's home. Nobody's home. I like that. I'm <sighs> here all week. Can't do any better. <laughs> can't do any better than that. Thank you for listening to Democracy Ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And I think we're pretty certain that we're going to have a country next week. We're going to have a country. So and we we'll may have back. a black vice president for certain. Yay. Pray about it. Pray about it all. Peace.